So this is a reverse podcast where I'm the guest. And because it was Tim Oldland's idea, he's going to be the host. I'm going to turn it right round, point the podcast at you. And we're going to start off with, who are you and what do you do? <laughs> My name's Lewis Warren and I run Tacona. We do cars, clothing, podcasts and car meets for nice. mental health awareness and cars. So I've, rec- I've hit record now, so we should probably do... The- You've done preparation for this. I have. I've so, done a little bit. So for people that listen to this, they tend to know that I do no preparation. I just kind of wander into a conversation. Mm. But because we're doing things differently, you're... Oh. We're also in a car, so any noises are probably car-related noises. Yeah, very strange. That was unusual. I guess it gave up on asking you for... Please turn me off. <laughs> exactly. Right, I'm off now. Yeah, it's done. Um, so this is a reverse podcast where I'm the guest. And because it was Tim Oldland's idea, he's going to be the host. Yes. And because he's a, a professional, he's actually put some effort into this. Uh, only a little bit, don't worry. I haven't, I haven't been too, you know, not too prepared. I um, also put a tweet out, so we've got some questions from there as well, and a couple from emails. So, yeah. We'll see what happens. Cool. Um, so... Yeah, so as as you've just said, I have known you for quite a while now, and I thought before Christmas, all the other listeners to this, as I am one as well, I thought they might want to know more about the person behind Tacona. I do such a good job of hiding so much. You do, you do. <laughs> so we, um, I've managed to hunt you down, track you down, trap you in a car. That's and, it, yeah. Uh, you went, I've got a BMW press car, would you like to come and sit in it? And I was like, oh, I really like a BMW press car, I'd love to come and sit in it. Yeah, and I've locked the doors. The doors and are locked, yeah. yeah. Can't go, so we're recording a podcast. Um, so, of course, I'm going to turn it right round, point the podcast at you, and we're going to start off with, who are you and what do you do? <laughs> um, I have asked that question so many times that I've never actually had to answer <laughs> it properly. And then I had to answer it twice in the same day. So this morning I was recording some video bits with St Andrew's Healthcare for a car meet about mental health that I'm somehow involved in. And uh, that was their first question was, so who are you and what do you do? So <laughs> twice in one day. So um, my yeah, name... So you're, you're already prepped then? Kind of, yeah. She said, what's your job title? And I was like, that's a very silly question to ask someone that doesn't really have a proper job. <laughs> <laughs> um so my name's Lewis Warren and I run Tacona. We do cars, clothing, podcasts and car meets for nice. mental health awareness and cars. Awesome. Nice yes. and easy that. I can use that as my own soundbite. <laughs> you can, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, most people who are listening, they know what Tacona is, hopefully. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Um, but for me, we, we, I want to start at the start. So what gave you... That very first spark of an idea, because Twitter wanted to know how you came up with the, with the name too. So let's start there. How did Tacona start? Go. So the idea of Tacona, the using cars to start conversations, happened while I was in uh, Brighton in 2019. I um, was working for UPS and as part of that I was in their sales team and I would be going to meetings with strangers quite often as I was new to the area new to the company so I had to go around and introduce myself and make new connections and what I found was if I would get onto the topic of cars 
the whole process of creating new business relationships was just immediately easier because it, you went from talking about business and logistics and kind of quite boring stuff to making friends with someone because you both like cars. Mm-hmm. So the whole thing was like, oh, we're car people. Let's talk about cars and we'll sort the other stuff out because now we're mates. And it just broke down all the barriers around anything that we were trying to do because it wasn't then what can you offer me? What does your business do this, that and the other? It was, oh, we're both interested in the same thing. We'll probably be quite good pals and pals help each other out. So that it made everything so much less serious and intense, so much easier and really broke down so many barriers around that whole scenario. So that was kind of the first point of, oh, if I can make automotive things that do that job for me of breaking down the barriers around is this person a car person or aren't they a car person then it would do me a favor like the the original idea was i would make like shirts that have kind of the liveries running through in a subtle way where if you're a car person you'd pick up on it and you go oh is that car related mm-hmm. and then it would, it would just do all of that barrier breaking in one simple step of acknowledging a thing being car related so that that was the original kind of groundwork for the idea it was always breaking down barriers in communication now turns out it's really hard to make shirts you have to buy lots of fabric and stuff and it's it's really (laughs) complex um but i'd had a a customer of mine were doing on-demand printing so being into cars and this being a way to kind of step towards cars as a thing me and a couple of mates were exploring the ideas of starting our own automotive clothing brand and both of them at the time were studying. One was full-time at uni. One was doing his FCA accountancy exams. So they were both quite busy on top of their normal working stuff. Whereas my brain could do all this alongside the job because it was kind of interconnected. So I'd just sit and come up with ideas. And I, I was the only person at the point that was able to kind of let their brain wander and come up with the ideas. So I said, do you mind if I just do it on my own? Because I don't want to do something and then find out that you don't agree with it and as you two are so busy and your whole time is taken up by all this stuff to allow me just to be kind of free to do what I want I'd rather ask if I can just do it myself and they were both very happy to go yeah that's fine this was always just a bit of an idea let's see what happens and logistically I'm the only person that could do it so that then started the ball rolling oh I'll do an automotive clothing brand that breaks down barriers to communication gets people talking so the foundation of it was there from that quite simple setup and then prior to working for ups i used to work for the priory i used to work in secure psychiatric hospitals like st andrews who i've been recording with today um funny enough my other half works at the hospital that I was at today and she was working from home today so she wasn't even there <laughs> typical it's um, yeah which would have been nice because i could have introduced her to some of the people at st andrews that she might not have met before but going back to that environment and kind of reflecting on the skill set that I worked with when I worked there, this breaking down barriers thing was always the biggest skill. Getting someone to talk, especially in a quite a serious scenario, is a real challenge. And if you can get good at that, you can make a huge difference in that environment. Because a lot of people picture secure hospitals as you're restraining people all the time, you're injecting them with things to calm them down, all of the kind of the crazy end of the scale. But in reality, it's 90% of the time is just encouraging people to talk, getting people to kind of 
make some progress in how they feel and think and understand their emotions and a huge part of it is just therapy it's not the the more severe end but if you can get someone to do the talking stuff while they're in that severe scenario it de-escalates that scenario so quickly because you've kind of found common ground you've started them like communicating rather than just reacting so I kind of took the ideas and the things that I'd learned there and applied them to this well if we can use cars to get people chatting why don't we use those conversations to kind of make a bit of a positive impact get people to talk a bit more about their mental well-being and just use cars as a catalyst for conversation more than anything and that's kind of in a nutshell how it all came together it was well let's get people to talk about cars and let's build that conversation around this kind of understanding that if you want to talk about your mental health that's fine I'm here to to share and get things off our chests and stuff like that there doesn't need to be these huge barriers around that we can start off with something that we're both interested in and that can do all the the legwork for us in going oh how are you doing how's things going what what's going on in your life at the minute and if it's oh things are a bit crap well let's talk about it that's fine it's good to talk yeah <laughs> it's okay to talk it's okay to talk exactly i mean it, it it does it works it is something that i mean just some people you know, people know me occasionally from twitter they know me some some of the videos and the film filming that i've done and i think most people say that they know that I am a very outgoing, <laughs> very vocal, yeah. very... Uh, that's a nice way to put it. But yeah, that's that's a polite way of putting <laughs> who I am. Um, I've met a few people that have encountered you on Twitter. And they go, wow, Tim's Tim's a guy, isn't he? I'm like, his Twitter personality and his real life personality are like two different people. And Twitter, for me, when I encounter you, seems to be a place that you like to kind of almost vent a lot of your frustration. Absolutely. that Twitter is my outlet yeah. in life. Um, but... So yeah, I'm, I'm sort of I'm very outspoken, I'm very outgoing and things I'm around people that I know. I have the most god awful crippling anxiety when you think about going into a public space. Right. And things like that. I the idea if I like just just today as, as people don't really know, we met up at Cafe and Machine. Driving up here, I still had in my head, I mean I'm 47 years old, mm. right? I've been around a while and like the idea of walking into that caffeine machine there, yeah. If knowing that you weren't, if you weren't going to be there, the idea of me going in first and waiting for you inside, that was that gave me massive like, oh no, what am I going to do? I'm just going to sit in the car. I'll sit in the car and wait for him. No, I can't do it. Even when I texted you to say I was here first, you sat in the car for a couple of minutes before you came in. <laughs> yeah, it's it's ridiculous. It's but it's that's just part of your brain. Yeah, no, <laughs> you know yeah, I can't I can't is. get a, around from that. I can't get away from it. But at a um, I was up visiting folks at Christmas and we were in, uh, I was waiting for my brother in the pub and I'd gone in there by myself and this is a pub that I've been in a hundred times before when, yeah. I was, when I was younger. I was waiting for my brother and I happened to be wearing a caffeine machine sweatshirt. Right. It's a yeah. uh, cult of machine one. Really nice sweatshirt. Um, almost as nice as one of mine. Almost as nice as the Tacona one I'm currently wearing. Uh, but no, they, I was, they do yeah, some good stuff. I need they do. to, and I, I need and to I, do an exchange I, with them at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Tacona X C and M. But I was sitting there and I was just sitting at the bar, and a guy walked past wearing a caffeine machine jumper, and it was like you know the um, Spider Man meme where they're pointing yeah, at each other. Yeah, yeah. It was literally just like that. We both sort of went, "Ooh, caffeine machine." And I sort of I looked in. Uh, there was no, there wasn't a conversation, but I looked at him and I went, 
cars. And he looked at me and went, cars. And then we walked off. And it was just brilliant. <laughs> there was no conversation, but it was like, ah, oh, mutual. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I imagine that scenario happening helped to take away a lot of the anxiety that you were feeling by being alone in the pub. Yeah, it was. I, I like, knew. You didn't even have to talk to the guy, but you're like, oh, I know there's someone with some familiarity to what I appreciate here. I, I feel a little bit more at home. Yeah, yeah, it was fantastic. And it's, it's happened uh, before with um, with Tacona stuff as well. I've, I've bumped into someone before wearing a Tacona top. Which is a, quite a phenomenon because there's not that much stuff out there. I'm not a big brand enough for it to be a hugely common occurrence, but I've had people relay that it's happened. And I... One of the highest praises was um, Mr. Petrol, uh, Richard Porter, mm-hmm. old Sniff himself. Um, he, at the end of the episode, that if people listen to this, they will have heard it. He was saying that at one of their live events, there was a guy that was kind of stood by himself feeling a bit out of place, saw someone in a Tacona hoodie and was like, oh, I know that. I know that brand. I know what that stands for. And went and said hello. And like they got chatting. And he just it made his whole evening so much more manageable because... He'd found a common like connection with someone because of a hoodie. And it turns out I know the guy who was wearing the hoodie because I'm not a very big brand, so I kind of know <laughs> everyone that's got one of my things. But that is kind of the whole idea is the brand, the reason it is a brand, it's not just car talk or something like that, is that it can be so much bigger than itself and it can be bigger than me and it can be bigger than anything that I can do by my my immediate like reach. The whole reason it is a brand is to kind of capitalise on what branding can do and how branding can create a familiarity. It can create its own kind of personality around what it stands for. So when I was putting the idea of it together, it was, well, let's make a brand that stands for something. Let's leverage brand awareness to do something good. Let's let's kind of make a brand that is about more than just sports or more than just cars or more than just a thing that you're interested in. Let's use that to to drive stuff forward yeah and to those of you who are listening i'm i mean i am an absolute tart when it comes to clothes i'm very picky yeah and i can say hand on my heart that the hoodies are some of the nicest hoodies i own they are i mean it's they're the um have you got your brand aren't they that one's a stanley stella is it it was the only way i could get that pink Nice, but they, yeah, this got, is a builder brand. Yeah, I mean, so it's, the plastic toggles are the builder brand, and oh. the metal toggles are the Stanley Stella. Nice, I cut my toggles off. You did take the toggles off. I, I was going to ask about that. I cut my woggles. I don't like having woggles. Is it because you're a self harm? Always, nobody had toggles. Yes, uh, no. It's just that I, whenever I, I'm often um, working on stuff, doing oh, engineering bits, catch it, um, and I don't want to them tagging and having my face smashed into a lathe that makes a lot of sense yeah, yeah. It's, it's not something Health i enjoy doing <laughs> i don't enjoy <laughs> headbutting a moving lathe no i can't say i've ever tried it but it doesn't look no. like it'd be fun it, well i can't say i have either despite people say that about my face um but <laughs> you look like no, you've headbutted a moving <laughs> lathe <laughs> yeah no so uh yeah i, I try not to not i have to just realized that. one of the difficult things about where we're film uh, recording is directly opposite us is an active train line and there's been so many trains go past. And I've been so tempted to go, oh, train, every single time. And two have just crossed each other. I was like, oh, crossing train. Yeah, I know. I, I was sitting there every time they go past, just out of my eyeline, I, yeah. in, in my head, oh, train. Yeah. yeah. So if, we, if there's a, a slight lapse in a reply, it's probably because the train's just gone past. Yeah, and one or one or both of us are both staring at the yeah. train, going, oh, train. We're, we're practically on the autism scale for that. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> um, so, I mean, talking of 
given that we are on the podcast. Yeah. How did the podcast start? Because from small things, from small is it acorns, large trees grow, or Something some nonsense. Like that, yeah. Um, yeah, it's it started. It must have started somewhere, and then you're you're interviewing some really quite prominent people in the automotive world. Yeah, I mean, it kind of started from a joke on Twitter. So I went on the Motormouth podcast back in 2020, just after like lockdown one had ended and before lockdown 2.0, the Terminator Returns, whatever it was called, <laughs> started. Um, basically, I re- messaged them and said, oh, if you're ever looking for any guests, here's what I do. If it's of interest, let me know. And they said, oh, well, we're recording with um, the guys at W Series in their London head office. Why don't you pop along and we'll record with you afterwards? So I did that. That episode came out. Um, and I think Harry, who Harry Benjamin, who I need to get on here actually, he does a lot of presenting work now with things like the Formula One. Mm-hmm. Um, he'd said something on Twitter, and I replied with, "Oh, maybe I should start a podcast." And then he went, "Oh, please don't. There's enough automotive podcasts out there." <laughs> and my brain went, "Well, I'm going to do it now because you've said not to." Um, and at the same time, I used to watch a lot of VinWiki videos which are interesting stories from the automotive world, mainly over in America. And I was like, I wonder if there's kind of a a want for that kind of stuff, but a bit more of a let's share some car stories and see what happens. So I've got a few interesting car stories, and I was on the road quite a lot. So all I did was I set my phone up on my dashboard, plugged my Apple headphone thingies into it, and just share the couple of stories. And then I realised that I've not got that many stories. <laughs> so I should probably invite other people to tell their stories. So when I first started doing it, it was video. And then I realised how much time it takes to edit a two hour long video. And how hard it would be to actually do that properly with no budget and no time. So then it was audio only. Because I can do this quite easily mm-hmm. in, in comparison. And it went from there, really. It started with, I uh, had a couple of mates that had some interesting cars and some interesting stories. And then I just asked people. I think that's one of the big things that sets a lot of people back is the fear of asking. And it's something that I, thanks to some of the experiences I've had and the environments I've worked in, that barrier is so much lower for me because the worst case scenario is they say no. Once you kind of live in a world where the worst case scenario is somebody attacks you or tries to kill you, someone saying yeah. no is so much easier to like live with. Yeah. So it takes a lot of the fear of approaching people out. I happily walk up to pretty much anyone and go, you want to sit and chat for an hour? Mm. And that's it. That's kind of how I've managed to sit and chat with some interesting people is just going, you fancy it? Like, this is what I do. This is why we do it. What do you think? And it's surprising how many people say yeah. Yeah, there's there's something really strange about about the the fear of of talking to people. And it, <clears throat> I know this is this is going to sound like it now completely contradicts what I was just saying about walking into cafe de machine earlier, which is and again I can't I can't rationalise it in my head at all. But one of the things that's always really served me really well in in business, and it's the reason I've been hired on a couple of projects mm. recently is people hire me because I've got no fear of yeah. talking to the people higher up. Yeah, yeah. I'm lucky that I've never really had to struggle to get engineering work. So I kind of sit in the position where 
if someone's pissing me off and they're doing something wrong, I'm going to tell them no matter how high up the chain they are. Because if if they don't like it and they bin me off the project, I can generally find another project. Yeah, yeah. But that is... The thing that I have always thought is it doesn't matter who that is. They're still just a person. Yeah. You can talk to them. And even if they're the absolute biggest prick on the planet, which some of them really are, yeah, yeah. they're still just a person. And you can talk to them and you can shout at them. It might not get you that far in life, but I've never been afraid. And that's really what's so weird. <clears throat> I think one, that, of the, uh, yeah. one of the things around that is everybody no matter who you are, has internal fears, has internal worries. It's all relative to your your world view and what you encounter. So we might not have the same worries and the same fears, mm. but it, as long as we kind of understand that everybody has them, nobody is completely without kind of negative thought, you can empathise with people a lot quicker and that makes it so much easier to approach people because you go, well... They're scared of stuff too. They're just like me. It's just they're scared of something different to what I'm scared of. So I have no need to be kind of fearful of talking to them. I just need to learn how they work and how they function. Their worldview is different to mine, but we're both people at the end of the day. We'll find some common ground and start a conversation on it. Yeah. And it works surprisingly well. If you can find something common just to connect with, the door opens so much quicker. Like when I met Derek Bell not long ago, a man who I have never interacted with, never encountered before. He has no reason to know who I am or anything like that. Yep. He was stood looking at the Jägermeister um, 3-litre CSL Batmobile race car that he drove in the touring cars back in the 70s. And I happened to be stood with the guy who was driving it that day. And he was there, his employer owns the car and he was there to drive the car. So we just stood nearby and I was like, excuse me, <laughs> Derek Bell can I ask you a question? And then I just started a conversation. Amazing. And that's all it takes is, especially with people that you know that there's some potential, because half the time you're in an environment that you know a lot of the rules for, like a car event or a show or a space where you encounter other car enthusiasts. So you kind of already know that that person's going to be interested in cars in some way. Hmm. So it's not that hard to go, well, let's find out what bit of the car world you like the most and we'll go from there. And that's all that happened with Derek Bell. Like, he was on the judging panel for the Octane Awards, and I'd been nominated. So I had a very easy opening to go, I was just wondering if you were on the panel that I was part of. And then I just opened the door. And he was like, oh, I used to drive this, and we drove the McLaren, and I happen to know the guy who owns the McLaren now. And then we just had, we must have been chatting for 15 minutes. Amazing. And then someone came over and was like, excuse me, Derek, I think you've left the lights on in your car, but we need you to come and drive some of our guests. Like That's what the event was. They were driving the guests around the Bista test track. I was like, well, I'll turn your lights off for you. Like, oh, would you? That'd be a great favour. Here's the car keys to his 924 CS, whatever, this <laughs> GT or whatever it is. He's like, it's that little red pot. I was like, oh, don't worry, I'll... <laughs> yeah, I think I'll, I'll find I'll, it. I'll find it. <laughs> So then I had Derek Bell's car keys for 10 minutes. Just nice. wandered around Bista with... I was like, I've got Derek Bell's car keys. And his car has a plaque that says Derek Bell on it because it was given to him by Porsche because he raced for them. 
Nice. He comes back to the car about 10 minutes later. He's like, why has it got an extra 30 miles yeah, on it? Yeah, where's all the fuel going? Why is all this scrape down the side? <laughs> it's like it's like the scene from um, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yeah. <laughs> You're just like jumping the thing. Woo-hoo! Well, I'm at Bista and there is a whole airfield and test track. I wonder if he'll notice me just doing some massive skids. Or how, like, how much damage would this do to my professional life if I got out there? Because he'd only notice when I'm out there. And by that point, I'm there. Exactly. You may as well carry on doing another couple of laps, then bring it in. Yeah. That's, you know, what is, what's the old saying? It's um, easier to get forgiveness than permission. That's the one. Yeah. Yeah. Which surprisingly works quite well. Because mm. you can plead ignorance by that point. You can. Whereas if you let them know it's going to happen, they've got enough opportunity to stop you. Yeah. <laughs> Which is only in certain scenarios. It's not a, a blanket rule for things. Because <laughs> no, it will often get you in a lot of trouble if you don't ask permission for certain things in life. <laughs> exactly, yes. So I wouldn't want to be promoting not asking for permission. No. no. Just um, in, in some instances, it's Yeah, if the it's, worst it's case easy. scenario is you get a slap on the wrist, you're probably all right with forgiveness over permission. If it is you can go to prison... Get permission. <laughs> yeah, get permission first. Yeah, it's funny we were talking about the ooh train thing. Well, there's a robin. There's, there's a robin. That post. Yeah, there's a, a, a beautiful robin that's been, it's sitting on this post opposite the car here, just uh, just I, watching I've us record watching a podcast. Well, yeah, what yeah, it's watching us record a podcast and we're watching it. It's sit there. incredibly distracting, and I'm going to try and get a photo. It is because it's... this will be on the Patreon, which I have recently started, <laughs> thanks to old Smith and Sniff also having one, and it being quite a nice way to connect with an audience. Mm. Um, and it's an opportunity for me to go please support what I do so that I can do it full-time, because I'd really like to do that. Thank you yeah. very much. And a T-shirt's yeah. not always an easily accessible thing for people, so... I think I'm a patron. You are a patron. Marvellous. I've got, like, four of you. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> it means I can get a cup of coffee a week, thanks to the people that support what I do. Brilliant. Well, that leads on... Because I've, I've, I've prepared slightly. You've got a list does, of questions. I have. I've got, I've got some questions that I wanted to ask as well. Um, so that was the thing. So, obviously... You've got a, a job that isn't Tacona that does things like real adults do, like pay bills yeah. and things. But it must be difficult to fit the two things around each other. The biggest challenge is focus. That's the, the thing that I find the most difficult. Um, tied into that is I'm currently on the waiting list for an ADHD assessment, which is notorious for not being able to focus. <laughs> so that really yes. doesn't help. But fortunately, what I've managed to do is kind of turn the skills that I've learned from starting to Kona. Because my background isn't design, it's not creative. My most professional thing that I've done is I was doing my accountancy exams, which is the exact opposite to being creative. To follow these strict rules and ways of doing things and fill out spreadsheets. So... What I've kind of learned from doing what I do is how to draw and design and market things and build branding and take photos and speak to people and all these like quite good, useful skills. Um, so I do design and marketing and content creation um, as my day job, which I wouldn't be able to do if I hadn't been doing Tacoma. So it has given me a, a useful skill set. Um, and I do bits of freelance photography and a bit of freelance graphic design and a bit of this and a bit of that where I can. Um, but yeah, the the biggest challenge to it all is being able to kind of switch from one to the other. Yeah. Um, which I'm quite fortunate that I've got quite a lot of flexibility in my normal working life to not be stuck, like being forced to focus on one thing. 
and I had a marketing job and I really struggled because the environment that I was in was you have to sit in front of this computer and think about what you're doing for eight hours and we have no scope of flexibility for you to have any independent thoughts outside of your job. We're paying you to be here for eight hours. We expect your brain to focus solely on this for eight hours. And unfortunately, that's not how your brain works. And most of the ideas that I have come to me while I'm sat at home. Yeah. I'm not, it's not chargeable time. I can't sit there and go, well, I sat and thought about this last night. Yeah. <laughs> There's got to be quite a lot of flexibility between, well, some of the ideas that come to me when I'm not at work are then applicable at work and vice versa. Um, and that that's probably the biggest thing that I'm learning to get better at is just managing my focus a bit more yeah um and learning the skills now that i'm learning more about how adhd functions i can try and apply some of the skills that works for it to see if they help and it's stuff like being kind of just distracted enough to be able to concentrate Mm -hmm. which is a really weird thing to kind of explain but it's like if i put say a film on on my phone and it's a film that i've seen so i'm not intently focused on it because it's something new but it's a film that I like and I have seen and I am almost kind of revisiting it's enough noise around my head for my brain to then focus on a task it's really strange and it's something that I've only really learnt quite recently but it works surprisingly well and I can then sit and concentrate for more than 10 minutes that's interesting because my um, that's something that I found with my daughter, who's, I mean, she's 11 next week. Um, and before Christmas, we had a parents' evening. It's the first time in, in school history with her, she got, it was quite negative. Oh. The teacher was really negative, saying that she talks too much in class and it's starting to affect other children. Yeah. Which, I mean, that was genuinely horrifying for us. Yeah. Because in terms of her studies, she's absolutely brilliant. She's in, she's, you know, she's top 5%, top 5%, like 5th percentile at least. So in terms of her actual learning and everything like that, it's, she's spot on. And I think that's part of the problem is in a lot of the less, it, like with, to do with maths, maths are one of the big things to do in, in year six. And she's, she's already done things like the 11 plus. Yeah, because she had to to get to apply for um, the next schools that she wants to go to, so she'd already done that, and so she's quite a bit ahead of of most of the other kids of the stuff they're doing, and so she gets bored and then she talks. Yeah, I had that when um, I was in year six, and yeah. it was um, fortunately my year six teacher was quite switched on to it, so I would be given reading comprehensions to do. Mm. So she'd be like, here is a, I can't remember what the scale goes up to, but here is a reading comprehension, go and do that and fill out the questions. Mm-hmm. So I'd just sit and do that on my own. And then I'd finish that one. She's like, oh, here's another one. Here's another one. And it's just enough, because there was, there was, like with your daughter, there's not a worry that the intelligence side of stuff isn't there. The trouble is that, it, especially for my brain, I really enjoy learning stuff. Mm. So school is great because it's, there's all, so much stuff to learn. And if a teacher can continue to provide you with new, interesting things that aren't repetitive, it will just keep your brain happy and you'll just keep going and going and going. Yeah. The trouble is when that stops, boredom is like impossible to live with. It's, a, it's like an allergy to being bored. Mm. So then you become 
incredibly disruptive because you're like I'm just searching for some stimulation yeah and if you're not giving it me someone else is going to have to give it to me and that's where I imagine your daughter's disruptiveness is coming from is she's like nobody's giving me any stimulus yep she wants so she wants input you're now going to be my target because I need to talk to you um, another thing that kind of worked is that when I was in secondary school because again learning wasn't difficult and I would pass all the tests and be quite easy to go oh I've I've figured out how this works and I can now apply it to all these questions so they're not very difficult I would get paired up with the kids that were struggling yeah she gets that a lot so then I'm getting engagement because I'm teaching which is a great way to learn if you've never tried it if you want to learn anything properly teach it to someone else because you'll get more from the teaching experience than you will just being told stuff but it also meant that I was continuously engaged and I was helping someone that was struggling, mm-hmm. which works really well. And it, it takes a teacher that's paying attention to kind of notice this sort of stuff and go, well, how do I utilise this rather than just moaning about it? And when I spoke with um, Ralph Hosier recently, he said it's not a learning problem, it's a teaching problem. And he encounters a lot of people that kind of fall within this kind of bracket of not necessarily learning difficulties, but... They've always found the traditional method of teaching doesn't work for them. And as soon as he spent any time trying different methods with them and they find one that clicks, their learning just explodes. They're just so good at learning because they're being taught in a way that works for how their brain works. And that is really applicable for a lot of people. It's just the systems that are in place don't cater for that. They're built to mass teach and get as many people through the system as possible. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would be conscious of that with your daughter and try and educate her on how to cope with mm. the absolute hatred of being born. Yeah, well, she, it, one of the things that's what led me onto the point was that um, one of the things that we said was when she's at home doing uh, like the maths homework and stuff, see if she can. Because uh, this, another thing we found is she can do the work when she really concentrates. Yeah, and she can get the the maths is is easy to her, but. She just skips and goes really quickly through it because she's bored of doing it. Yeah. And that's where the lack of concentration comes in. And as soon as we started playing music in the background... Oh, it was just enough to hold it. It was just enough that that was taking part of the focus and then she was focusing on the work. Yeah. And it's amazing. I mean, we've we've had to work around it as well because she can't have, you know... Hard EDM. She can't have... Well, yeah, (laughs) she she can't have Ariana Grande playing when she's doing an exam, for instance. Yeah, yeah. But... That's, I mean, that, what you said is true. I, I was, I was shocking at school. Mm. I got, I mean, I did, I got crap GCSEs, and I just about scraped through with a C and two Ds, I think, at A level. Absolute crap. And I, so, I just, I, it never, I could never get my head around the idea of doing an exam, of just even then when I was sixteen or eighteen it was. I'm just learning this bit over and over again and how to do this for this fucking exam that I'm doing. Why am I doing this? And yeah. I, I couldn't rationalise it in my brain. It's and just at that point, to prove that you've retained knowledge. Isn't yeah, it? it was retained, and it was it was I was awful. But so, but I then went and managed to get onto a foundation course at uni, and my God, were my eyes opened <laughs> to a different way of learning. And yeah. I, I did a two-year foundation course in a year. And jumped straight onto the second year of the degree course, 
like I accelerated so through all the time then. because it was so I I bloody loved it and it it just resonated and my brain clicked. I feel like degrees you know? are more about you're learning something specifically for a purpose rather than mm. learning for the sake of learning. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, Whereas this school is you're learning for the sake of learning and you get to pick the things that you're most interested in because you might learn them a bit better if you're interested in them. Yeah, exactly. That's it. Just I, regurgitate I, knowledge at the end of the year. Yeah. I mean, I, it was, for me, it was, the, it was because I'd then gone to university, I was focused on engineering Yeah. and being an engineer and designing things and living my head in 3D. That's what just, poof, all of a sudden my brain just exploded and it was amazing. And I could see these things in 3D and I could visualise them and all of the god-awful higher engineering maths that you ended up doing didn't matter because it was for a genuine purpose yeah, yeah. that meant that and having done that even though it's completely pointless that's almost as pointless as doing normal exams was sitting there working out um finite element analysis on how you know the breaking forces of a be- of a beam and things like that it means that now when i'm designing something i can know i, I know what's going to break and what isn't going to break without having to do that yeah because you've done that foundation and it's all there in your head. And, yeah, oh, yes. Uh, so that, that really worked for me. School really didn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I understand that. I, I, I got a D in accountancy. So mm-hmm. I ended up in an accountancy apprenticeship and doing all my exams. I didn't have any trouble with the exams once they were applied to real life. Because yeah. I was taking stuff that I was learning at work and applying it to these exams and going, oh, I know why we do this bit of this formula and this bit of this formula, because that relates to this real thing. Yeah. And I found, for me, especially when learning anything new, which I do quite a lot because I get bored, if I can find the foundation principle of an idea and then I can build on top of it from there. So let's say I'm learning how to design and for the clothing stuff. So if I wanted to make a new logo, well, I know that to make a square, I can use a certain tool and then I can press onto the, they're called nodes, pull them into the middle and it will give me a radius on the corner and I know that I can then cut that out of another shape and it's just learning all the foundations of how stuff works and then applying more complex things to it bit by bit and by the end you know quite a really complex system but because you've kind of taken it to its barest principles and then added and added and added and everything has a reason to be added Mm-hmm. it's that that makes learning so much easier because if everything has a reason to be there and you know why it it almost is like you're kind of not telling a story but you're just following a journey through rather than just you need to know this because i say that you need to know this is if there's no rationale for it it's so easy just to fall out your head again yeah and plus i try stuff and i get it wrong a lot and you learn a lot from getting things wrong because you go yeah <laughs> oh, that was that went really badly i won't do it that way again i'll try this mm. and it streamlines the process so much quicker mm. i mean for me i've got to say i'm it's it's to me very impressive i mean i'm not blowing smoke up your ass because that'd be weird um especially we're in the same car together i don't know where uh, that phrase comes uh, no but it's really weird isn't it <laughs> but anyway you're gonna get comfortable but um the fact that you've got this clothing brand and they are such really cool designs. I made this one today. Yeah, well, that's wicked as well. Yeah, but the fact that you've done this perfect. and you've got no, you have no design training background. No, nothing. I, you've learned it yourself. That is that is awesome because the, the thing it is, is it, they are bloody good looking t-shirts. I and can't afford sweaters. to pay anyone to do it for me, so I have to learn it. Hmm. And that's that's it. That's the whole principle is I can't afford to pay anyone. I've never got any money. But I am pretty handy at learning stuff and making things. 
So I just do that. Like this, it frustrates the crap out of me because it's a process that I still haven't f cracked the best way to do it. So there's little gaps every so often where when I applied the purple, it shrank a bit. And because I'd cut the purple and the white at the same time, before they were any heat was applied, they were exactly lined up perfectly. Uh. But because you can't apply heat at the same time to both of them, one shrinks a bit and then you layer the other one over and then everything shrinks together again. So I'm currently going through how to make this better and my current thought is I'd do the white as a solid block and then apply the purple and the green over. Layer on top of it, yeah. So then any gaps are just white and it, it's less obvious where there's a gap. But it's, as I say, it's an ongoing process and it's how I learn. I just try and make a mistake and learn how to do it better next time. Yeah. And take away as many, like, I had this green hoodie that I'd tried. A friend of mine was like, I quite like a green. I'll, I'll buy a green and see what it looks like. Mm. And then I came up with the hippie Porsche livery to go on the logo. I was like, well, if I didn't have the green bits in, does that work? And it, it didn't, so I had to add the green afterwards. Now I have a green hoodie with a hippie Porsche logo on it. Yeah, it's cool. I would buy that one. I, I'll put it on the website, to be fair. Yeah. I, it looks really good. I'm really happy with it. Because yeah, I, I, I love... It's funny that my three Tacona black hoodies I have is they are the only black clothing I own. I don't do black, as you can see. I mean, for well, people, he's in a pink one now. Yeah. I'm wearing a pink one. I've got bright, bright pink and yellow. As well. Have you? Yeah. <gasps> and I mean, don't tell my wife. Terry, uh, illustrator maker Terry, mm -hmm. he was like, "Can you get purple thread?" I was like, "Probably." He went, "I might have to have a lilac hoodie with a dark purple logo on it." Oh, yeah. So if that... Because I've got the lilac with the white on the website. Mm -hmm. But if Terry asks for that purple one and I get that made, that'll be on the site as well because we'll use that as our tester. Well, it's... Yeah. So, they are... Like like that one, I, I love... Because I love yeah, green and, and pink and... Yeah, I've got bright pink and yellow yeah, trainers yeah. I mean, on. I've I mean, got, it's... I've got pink socks on. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, I just... I don't wear black apart from my Tacona hoodies. But at least they've got gold is, They have. Yes, they're very cool. Thank you. Um, yeah, no, I'm a big fan. So smoke all the way up. Yes, it is. He's he's about to explode. <laughs> um, you're right. So what? I mean, obviously, there's. So we've we've gone through on how the, how the brand. Question I haven't answered. Oh yes. The name. Oh yes. Go on. I made it up. Oh, that's it. Right. Next question. Um, <laughs> there, is a, there is a story. On, please do. <laughs> please tell me there's more to it than that. Um, no. So I when I was coming up with the idea, actually. Um, while I worked for UPS, a friend of mine who had, at the time, um, the Aston Martin Vulcan that Clarkson drove on the Grand Tour, the red one, mm. that he famously stalled and tried to push back with his foot out the door. Which I don't know how he did, because I've been in that car, and the roll cage is incredibly tight around the door frame. So I don't know how he got his whole leg out to try and roll the car backwards. But anyway, so they had that car, and they were taking it to an event, and... Before the event, they were filming some promo with the car at Henry's Car Barn before anyone knew about it. It was back when it was just a private, high-end car storage place. Mm -hmm. and now it's got quite a reputation and people have heard of it and they have done events and stuff there. So they said, oh, what are you up to this weekend? We're going to do this. We're going to have a catch-up. I was like, uh, nothing. Where am I meeting you? And they just sent me a postcode and it was a gate on the edge of a field and a track that went over the horizon because it was top of a hill. And so we were basically playing around with the best part of three million quid's worth of Aston Martin, doing Christ. donuts and burnouts and everything. 
and my little, I had an Audi A3 uh, company car. It was the only thing with a hatchback boot. So that became the tracking car. Nice. Um, so we ratchet strapped the cameraman to the back out the boot because we didn't have a harness. We just had these ratchet straps. So we tied them around his legs, hooked them into the car, which looking back was ir- incredibly irresponsible. But we're on private land, so do what you want. Um, but I got chatting to, so the, my friend, it's his dad who owned the car. I got chatting to him because we were having dinner. We were having dinner. And I recognised that his number plate on his Mercedes, he had a E63 Brabus that was the only one that Brabus had ever put a warranty on at the time. And they detuned it from 1,000 horsepower down to 750 because it would light up the wheels on the motorway. Jesus. So we sat chatting about cars, and as you do, just shooting the breeze, having some dinner. But his number plate didn't match any of his family names. It wasn't his name, it wasn't his kid's name, it wasn't his wife's name or anything like that. So I was asking him about that. I was like, what does the number plate mean? And he said, when he starts a new company, which he's done several times, which is how you afford a Aston Martin Vulcan, <laughs> yeah. he gives it a unique word as the name. So then whatever the company does, that's what the word means then. It, it saves him having to kind of make companies that have a just for screws limited or whatever. He can just give it a unique word mm-hmm. and it makes it all easier with registration and websites and company names, stuff like that. But it also means that if it builds any sort of image around it, the word that he's given it then has meaning. So that was where the idea of Tacona came from. It was to find a unique word that can then stand for something because the whole idea of the brand is let's stand for something that makes something easily recognisable that people can connect with and helps open the, the windows to conversations or the doors to conversations. So I went through loads of words trying to go into like ancient Greek words for my other half's name and all this sort of stuff, just trying to find something that had the right amount of kind of catchy easy to remember but also different and unique um and i got thinking back from when i was a kid and i wanted to be a car designer and i wanted to be ferrari but the surname warren doesn't really emote in the same way it's not (laughs) quite as passion inspiring as ferrari although gordon murray's done a pretty good job using his name yeah um and tacona was the name of the car company i came up with as a child so looking back it was around when the Zonda first came out and I was obsessed with going to Tokyo at the time. Not obsessed enough to actually research it properly and know, just like the idea of Tokyo looked amazing and I just wanted to go to Tokyo. Mm-hmm. So on reflection, I think it's a combination of Tokyo and Zonda. Nice. That 11-year-old me had concocted in the back of a maths book while I should have been studying <laughs> and I was doodling cars. Um, but it seemed very appropriate to tie into the whole unique word for the brand um and then i think it's rapa nui um easter island language what they speak there there's a body painting tradition called tacona and it loosely translates to leaving a mark nice which i thought seemed quite appropriate i, oh, that, that works. I learned all of this after i'd picked it i was like, <laughs> I should probably research this word just in case it means something horrendous in another language mm. which has happened to several brands it has um and no it's uh it's a Rapa Nui body painting tradition, um, which again, not many people have heard of, so I'm, I'm quite safe in that I can utilise it for what I'm up to. Awesome. So yeah, there's that. that is the question I get asked the most. Yeah. Well, we managed to get into it after 45 minutes. 45 so minutes, you get your answer. That's, yeah, that's good. Um, that's how it goes. So, obviously, I mean, you, you've the thing is you're very 
uh, self-deprecating here because you're so you've said on many times in the last 45 minutes how we're a small thing we're not this big but you know last johnny smith late break show video he was wearing a tacona hat there was he has a carfection video with Henry Catchpole ages ago yeah. with Henry wearing a Tacona t-shirt and you've had pretty much you know you've had Smith and Sniff yeah on this here very podcast there's there are some pretty big names and I'm very lucky that people are very, very generous they are that I think that's the thing I think a I'm fortunate that people are generous b a lot of people in the industry like the idea and are happy to help. Um, so Henry Catchpole, he bought a T-shirt when I first started, like back when it was sublimation printed on a six-pound polyester T-shirt, because that's the only way you can do sublimation printing is if it's on a non-natural material. And I'd done uh, the Lego Audi Quattro as a design, and he'd happened across it and bought one. So that order came through. Same with Alex Boy. Alex Boy just bought a T-shirt. He's like, I think mm. this is cool like what you're doing, I bought a t-shirt. So when I'd finally kind of got the quality to a good point, which was the black and gold, um, the diamond logo that you've got on your hoodie, I did a t-shirt with it and it had a small one on the front and a big one on the back and it was like metallic gold with flakes, like flakes in it, so it actually sparkled. Mm-hmm. I sent them both one just to say, look, you guys took a punt when I'd just started and the quality was crap. The quality's good now. I just wanted to say thank you. Here's a t-shirt. You don't have to wear it. I don't expect anything from you. just wanted to say thank you for, for supporting me when I didn't really know what I was doing. And now I kind of know what I'm doing, so thank you very much. So Henry wore that on a Carfection video. Just just has the t-shirt. He's like, oh, I took it on. So it wasn't a, oh, this is a great piece of marketing or or nice guy. Oh, I think I just disconnected the microphone for a second. But they seem to be back. So if there was a drop then... Oops. Sorry. But yeah, Henry's just a nice guy and he mm. supported what I do and he's been on the podcast and we sat and chatted and bumped into him at events and he's very friendly and he was at the Scramble but he had his kids and he's effectively a climbing frame when they're around so it's a very quick, hello, <laughs> hope you're okay, bye, I've got children climbing all over me. Um, but I'm, I'm very fortunate that people are friendly. Like with Johnny Smith and that hat, we were at a car event and it was freezing and it was windy and he had a baseball cap on and he was freezing. And I said, I've got a beanie, have a beanie. He was yeah. like, oh, what do I owe you? I went, nothing, just wear it and have warm ears. Yeah. And if you want to wear it in something, wear it in something. If you don't, I don't care. It's not why I'm giving you a beanie. I, I'm somewhat friendly with him and you're freezing cold. Here's a bloody hat. Yeah, have a hat. <laughs> Which is why I gave you a hat today, because you're out in this bloody car in minus two degrees, and I didn't know if you had a beanie or not, so you might as well have one, and if it shows up in a video, great. I, I appreciate it, but it's not my motivator. And I have a very big, shiny head that gets cold very easily. <laughs> well, I get cold quite easily, and I have much more hair than you. Yes. <laughs> so you're a very hirsute It man. is going here, though. That's why the hair's like this at the minute. Oh, I'm trying to hide it. Going, going for the curtains. Yeah, I've got the curtains. Grace the, likes yeah. the curtains, so I'm sticking with it for the yeah. time being. But I, I figured this is probably my last opportunity to try longer hair. Yeah. So I'm taking it while I've got it. <laughs> um, it could it could look absolutely terrible within six months, but we'll, we'll see how we are. Who knows? Um, but yeah, I, I am very small. I I have one day a week to myself to do this. It kind of pays for itself. It pays probably half of the fuel it costs to travel around. But I kind of take that as I don't have to travel around everywhere. 
but I enjoy it, so I don't mind spending my own money on fuel. Mm. Um, but yeah, it, it's just me. So everything that comes out of Tacona is me and Grace being the amazing person that she is in supporting it. Um, I do one day a week for it. Um, my other stuff kind of just about covers my bills. And again, fortunately, my other half is very good. So she makes up for a lot of the stuff that I... <laughs> I try to contribute, um, but yeah, it, I am small. It's but people need to. It's just I mean, I would, yeah, I would definitely say if you haven't already to people listening, go and look at the merch because it's bloody good stuff. And the more merch that people buy, because I know you don't like doing hard I don't sells. Like, no, I don't like. Promoting. You don't like it, but I'm not you. So there you go. Um, <laughs> if you're listening to this and you love Tacona and you love the message. Go and buy some merch, buy a sticker, buy a hoodie, buy a t-shirt, buy whatever you can afford. See, he's, Lewis is literally cringing into oh, a ball I'm, right I'm now. He, he hates this. He is, he hates this. But it's genuinely good quality merch. It looks great. And it's good because it's a cool automotive brand that isn't shouting too much. Because a lot of the stuff is a bit, I mean, I hate to say it because we're, we're there outside as well caffeine machine is getting a little bit too high profile for some people as in the stuff is is everywhere some people like to have something that's just a bit under the radar something cool that not everyone's got and i would say tacona is that stuff right now well i try what i try and do is i make stuff that i would wear yeah and i feel like i have a reasonably good sense of where the line is between too much and too little so when I appreciate something for its kind of cool value, that's where I try and position the stuff when I'm designing it. Because I could go, this is a red, blue and light blue hoodie in big stripes because it's very clearly BMW. But I think that's a bit too like ostentatious and a little bit cheesy. Mm-hmm. So I put a logo together that has the stripes in, but it doesn't mention BMW or anything. It's just my logo with red, blue and light blue stripes because it's a little bit less obvious. And then to take that even further, I created a logo inspired by the BMW rocker cover, the M-Power rocker cover. Mm-hmm. So if you know BMWs, you immediately recognise the stripes with the text in the middle. Yeah. But if you don't know BMW, it's just a T-shirt. And that's the whole idea is if you don't know cars, it's just, I like those colours. Like with the hippie Porsche one, it's purple and green. Yeah. If you don't know cars, you go, that's quite cool. It's all hippie Porsche. But if you know cars, you go, oh, that's the hippie 917 that raced at wherever, Le Mans or whatever it was. And that's the idea is it's it's subtle enough that if you're into your cars, you'll know it. And that that's what creates the connection is because it's it's just off the radar enough that you have to know cars to know what you're looking at. Yes. So the diamond logo that you've got, that's based on the Jaguar logo. Which, if you know your cars, you'll kind of go, that feels automotive, but I can't quite place what it is. Yep. But it's, it's, it's Jaguar, and to a lesser extent, MG, because they did the diamond as well, but a square, a diamond. And that's the idea, is it's a subtle way, because that's really what starts the conversations. Like when I was working at UPS, if someone had, say, a tag, the Daytona tag, mm-hmm. as a watch, the... The car guy knows that that's what that is. Yes. The layperson, oh, it's a square watch. If you're into your car, you go, oh, that's the Steve McQueen one. Mm-hmm. And because it's a subtle nod, it's way cooler than being in your face about it. If someone had a Ferrari watch on, 
you go, that's cheap. Because you're oh, Ferrari, Ferrari, Ferrari. But if they've got the Steve McQueen Golf livery Daytona watch on, you go, I appreciate that for what it is. And you're not shouting about it by having Ferrari or whatever on your arm. Yes, it's very much like, um, I agree with like the Omolgato watches. I mean, we, we both know Chamois. We both know Chamois, yeah. Yeah, those, they're, they're watches that are watches. Yeah. Oh, you're curious. You know, you'll, you'll know that. But to 99% of the population, it's just a nice looking watch. Yeah, exactly. And I, I feel a lot of um, similarity with Shami. When, when we chatted about design and stuff like that, his approach is very similar in that it's a softly, softly keep it cool under the radar rather than a big, bold, it's, it's from Porsche or whatever written on the side. Like um, he's done a 1-4, oh, what's the racetrack in America that's got the brick line? Uh, it's the, is it the Indy? Could be the Indy. Indy 500? Or which, I, know, I know what you mean. But the, the watch has the nine bricks going down it. Yes. Which, if you know cars and racing, you understand what that means. Mm. And if you don't, it's just a watch that's got bricks on the design. And that's the same kind of thought process. Same with um, Autodromo for their watches. Yeah. And I recently met um, MHD watches at Vista. So the guy who used to be chief designer for Morgan, Matthew... Surname begins with H. I can't remember what it is. Um, this is a terrible endorsement for his work because it's fantastic. They do watches that they, I think they do like a hundred of them, and they're all um, they're stainless steel, I believe. Mm-hmm. But like it has, say, like a, a vent on the side that's part of the design, but it's the wheel arch from a Countach. Uh, so it's okay. that odd shape Gandini design, mm-hmm. which if you know cars, you appreciate that shape. If you don't know cars, it's just how the watch looks yeah and it's that that's the approach that i i aim for is it's subtle enough that you have to know what you're looking at to appreciate it and if two people both appreciate it then that's an easy way to make a connection because it's like oh that's clever i like that let's chat or you're clearly into cars i'm into cars it's that is the approach that i'm aiming for yeah you can be you can be two guys standing in a a non-car environment and you're you're both twig and nobody else will. Yeah. Kind of, that kind of thing. That's great. It's almost not a secret club, but it's utilising that kind of idea. Yeah. That's what I like about it. It's good. Um, so, the future. Oh, dear. You know? what? Do, do you have any plans? I mean, I, I've written down here more coffees and cars. Because I haven't even touched on that yet. I mean, Jesus, the amount of coffees and cars you have now, events, is ridiculous, frankly. Eight? It's <laughs> eight every Seven. month. Seven. So, we've just lost Paddle Up because that business itself is changing, so there's no space to accommodate, which is fair enough. Businesses mm-hmm. go through these things. But we're doing a new one in Warwickshire with the Piston Club at the Stag, which will be a Saturday. Annoyingly, I lost my only Saturday and gained another only Saturday. And I was like, oh, I wish we could have had it on the Sunday, because then all of them would be on the same day. Mm. Um, but yeah, that, that takes us to eight, I think. The goal will be at least 10 by the end of this year. Um, they started again off just, let's see what happens. Um, Mike at Squizita is a car guy. That's why we're friends through the lockdown, not lockdown, lockdown that happened in 2020. No, I think it was 21 because we'd moved to Sawbridgeworth at the end of 2020. He was doing £2 takeaway coffee. Oof. So when I would go on my daily walk that we were allowed to do, mm. which is when I wrote that piece for Evo, I believe. I didn't write it for Evo. I wrote it 
And because Henry Catchpole is nice, he agreed to look at it, thought it was okay, sent it to Evo, ended up on their website. Nice. Because Henry's a really nice guy. Hmm. Um, that was, you're allowed to go for a walk, so I would do that. And he had his little coffee shop open, so I wanted in, and it was, it was November 2021, that's why. I was doing Movember, and he just has a moustache. Oh. So I went in, I was like, oh, you're doing Movember? And he went, no, I just have a moustache. And then we just started <laughs> chatting. And it turns out we're car guys, and he, uh, he's he got an Audi TT Mark One that he's rebuilding. And I think it's looking like it's going to be running like some 400 brakes, something stupid. Nice. So we connected over cars. Um, because he's in the cafe and runs the cafe, he can't really get out to car events, because that's when his bread and butter business is his weekends. Mm-hmm. So we said, well, why don't we just do one here? The high street is free on a Sunday. The village car park is free on a Sunday. We can get 150 to 200 cars max, which will be more than we'll ever need. Why don't we just start doing a little Sunday coffee morning thing? Um, and then what happened is we started with six cars. A local um, car artist, Mark Lazenby, I think his name is. That's going to bug me as well. Uh, local to the village has a really nice TVR. And we were chatting on Facebook. I said, oh, we're going to do this. Do you fancy popping down? Get a coffee on the chat. And oh, I'll let some of the local guys know. So we had like four TVRs, my 86. And the local pharmacist has a... It's a Morris Minor pickup, but it looks like a mini F-150. Oh, wow. It's really cool. And it's like um, the honey yellow that Renault use. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's that kind of colour. Like liquid yellow thing. That's it. Yeah. So they came down, um, turns out his, I think it's like his son-in-law or something, owns a local, it's, um, they take like C1 Corvettes and kind of hot rod them a bit. Oh, it's really cool stuff. So they've got loads of American stuff. So they came down, um, a local news guy heard about it, put it in the news, the local news for the next month. And then we had 30 cars come to the next month and then 50 cars came the next month. And then what we found was by February, we were the only thing that was on. So we had like 200 cars turn up. Wow. Um, and then an SVJ came down. So I used that as the cover photo for the Facebook event for the March. And then we had like 1,500 people interested. But I was going on holiday. <laughs> I was like, wow, imagine if all these people came. And then something like 400 cars tried to come and it just gridlocked the village. So we were like, okay, we need to kind of just have at least one or two people saying mm-hmm. car park's full or stuff like that. Um, and it grew from there, really. So that, that was the first one. And a guy from Twitter had a, it was a former little chef over near Kings Lynn. He said, oh, why don't you do one here as well? We'll run it. But it's another one, same idea, just brings us some business once a month. Because what Mike at Squizita had found is that for that one day, he would do almost a week's worth of business because he all of a sudden had 200 people coming to his cafe. Mm. Everyone bought a coffee and a bacon salami. Yeah. It's quite a nice day, that. <laughs> it is. Let's say everyone spends a tenner. That's and two grand in one day is not a bad a bad turnout. So, and that, that's all before 11 o'clock in the morning as well. Yeah, we started at half eight, finished by 11. Mm. He's in a full week's worth of trade in, in a morning. Um, so the idea is it sells itself quite easily and it, it really relies on people just engaging with it and turning up. Um, 
so yeah, the, the second one in Kingsland or Kingsland over towards Norfolk Way started but never really picked up. I don't think there was enough local interest or at least local knowledge. Um, but it set the ball rolling to approach other places and go, oh, we're doing this. What do you think? Um, and fair play to the the other partners that we've got in the network. They've been more than happy to get involved. I think what happens is I effectively act as a promoter. So I essentially just send people to their business. I'm not asking for money for it because it's kind of our community outreach. It's what we're doing to build community and get people around each other and chatting to one another around their passion. And that simple act hopefully makes enough difference to start some friendships and get people to kind of open up a bit more. And we found, especially with Sawbridgeworth, there's a, a core local group that come every month. They're all friends with each other now. They all do stuff outside of that little network together. They go to track days and stuff like that. And they've all become friends, all because of this common interest in cars and having a space to go and make friends around cars. And that's the whole kind of idea, is let's build these all over the place so that people have somewhere to go. Build a community. Yeah, and people have said, oh, I had no reason to get out of the house this month, except for your car thing, so thank you. That's amazing. Um, But yeah, if I can get to 10, I'd be quite happy. Got so close, because I would have had 9 if Paddle Up hadn't dropped off. Um, Well, it's only... uh... Only we're, we're only two weeks into January, <laughs> yeah. so yeah, you've got a while in, yeah. in 24. I think the challenge is finding, A, the right venue with the right um, host partner, essentially. Because you could find a coffee shop that does amazing coffee, there's nowhere to park. Or you could find a really big car park with no coffee. Like, And it, it's not something that I'm... Uh, the biggest challenge is most people, when they're doing car events... If you're a car club, you approach a venue and you go, we've got 400 members, we want to come to your venue. Mm. I'm approaching and going, I'm not paying you anything. (laughs) I have no one that I can guarantee is going to come. But if you work with me, we can start something from the ground up and you'll have a local core group that comes to your business every month. But it requires us both to work together. Yeah, a lot of people won't do that, will they? That's the biggest challenge is there's no certainty to it. So my approach is always, let's work together to start something from scratch so that you're building your core network of people that support your business and we're building this community that supports one another. A lot of places do like a themed um, Italian car night or American car morning, stuff like that. So it's much easier to go, use this as your everyone welcome meet. That's what we do with gasoline juice. Caesar Mm -hmm. does a a Porsche night or a Italian Sunday or whatever but the second Sunday is that everyone welcome with Tacona meet and what we get is a really good mix of cars and everybody always says the same thing like the mix and the variety is amazing because it is well everybody's welcome there's no we're not judging anyone yeah if you're interested in cars come down so you'll have my 86 parked next to I was next to a Ferrari Mondial and across yeah. from that was like an Ultima. And then next to that is an Alpine. Like That's the, the beauty of it, is that it's not about the cars in that way. It's about the people. Yeah. So the cars are almost just the reason to get out and the excuse to to make these friends. Yeah. And that, that's that's something that I like about a car event. It's why Bista 
is so much fun. Yeah. It, because I want to see a mix. I don't... It sounds awful. I, I, I know it's, it's not... I'm not being uninclusive or anything, but I don't want to go to a show or to a car meet and all there are are 15 Nissan GTRs all revving and bouncing off the limiter. That's not my joy i don't like that i'm yeah. it's totally cool that people do enjoy that as long as it's not too noisy <laughs> uh, but like that's that's their thing that's cool but i want to see a mix and eclectic things i love seeing a flipping a ferrari sf90 i love an sf90 but i also love to see a flipping uh a lancia fulvia coupe yeah you yeah. know rattling along and and disintegrating as the wheels turn i love that because that's that's somebody who's got passion and keeping it rolling just like somebody who's got an sf90 yeah plus uh, one of the things for car meets is if there's so much of the same stuff you get oh it gets kind of boring because you've seen it Mm. i I love a 911 but if there's 20 of them in a row by the third one all i'm seeing is a different color yeah Whereas if you encounter a 911 out in the wild, it's way more interesting because it is in a mix of other stuff. It's kind of the variety that makes it interesting. Whereas so much of the same, it, it loses its charm quite quickly. And that's mm. exasperated at car events. And a lot of the same car mark thing is about bringing people together that have the same thing because they've got a lot of stuff that's common to talk about and they, that's why they're interesting to owner groups. Mm. If I go to a GT86 thing, because I want to see what other people have done with the car that I've got. I want to learn more about the different nuances within this specific thing. If I'm going to a car event, I don't want it to just be the same car. Yeah. So, right, speaking of cars, when you mentioned your, your GT86. Yep. Obviously, that's the very, very visible um, face of, of Tacona other than yourself. It is you very know, visible, yeah. It looks fantastic. Um, but, so, imagine, because I've just harangued all these people... Loads of <laughs> you get a, a massive influx of sales of of merch and all this kind of stuff. Right. And Tacona starts paying for itself, which it, I am a hundred percent certain that it will do at some point. I've no doubt in this branding growing to the point you wanted to. Um, what do you replace the GT eighty six with? What's what is the one? What is the one car you want to replace the GT eighty six with? Real world, not a realistically. Zonda. Right. Um, so on the radar at the minute is an M two. Not mm. this one. The pretty the, one. <laughs> the, pretty one. <laughs> the pretty one, the previous generation. The previous generation. Um, a, I don't like this big screen. Mm-hmm. So we're sat in the brand new one and it's got the big full screen, which, as you've said, is very nice and comfortable to live with. Just for me, it doesn't nothing for me. I like dials. I like to be able to switch everything off all at the same time. So the 86 is great because you can turn the this multimedia interface, whatever it's called, off. But it's still got buttons for next song, yep. which this has. There's mm-hmm. a button for next song. So I like that. I can turn it all off and just, especially at night, pitch black. Mm-hmm. I like it. It's got a rev counter and a digital speedo in the middle. I'm happy. So I want something that I can engage with and enjoy driving. Enjoy Because it's going to be in full time doesn't necessarily mean that I'm going to have a van. I need the back <laughs> seats to fold down. Yes. And the yeah. M2 seems like the next step up in terms of engagement, but with a bit more power, a little bit more performance, and a little bit more kind of comfort. It's, it's not quite as... The 86 isn't bare, but it isn't luxury, whereas I think an M2 would be a, a step up from that. Yes. I, th- I mean, it is a staggeringly good car. Yeah. 
and a, a and it's one of the last I think truly beautiful yeah. BMWs. I think if money was a little bit better, one M. Yeah. Go back to the original. Yeah. Because that was a handsome car with a good dynamic range. Um, the other thing is, I'd like to be able to pull away from people on the motorway when they're being dicks. Yeah, that's, the that's a big thing. Can't do that quite as well. <laughs> I've had an M2 being a dick, and then just been like, I can't even outrun them, <laughs> so I'm stuck with this knobhead nearby. <laughs> so the only thing I can do is pull all the way in and do 50 for five minutes so that they leave. Mm. Yeah, um, it's not. It's not the best. No. Not that I would be bullying people on the motorway. It's just when you get an absolute knob in the third lane that just wants to be a pain in the arse. Just having that little bit more power would be quite nice. Yes. Yeah, we both we both had a we had a chat about <laughs> when I got here. We were having some lunch, talking about bullying people out of the way on the motorway, which is something I've been doing of late uh, and ranting generally, weren't we? About absolutely the state of driving, but we're, that's a whole different that's a, that's a whole different podcast. Whole afternoon on we that. could um, okay. Well, I'm I'm slowly running to the end of my questions. I know we've got some on Twitter, I'll find but the Twitter questions out. I was I was going to ask what I mean. I was going to say, are there any future podcasts that you're that you can talk about but i don't i think it's best to not say who is definitely coming up personally i think it's best to trickle those out but i would say what would you say as a dream podcast guest so i've written down clarkson jay leno gordon ramsay <laughs> i suppose the the three top gear boys would be a good one i've met hammond and asked him and he gave me his email address and i think i got spam filtered away so i need to bump into him again and pester him again mm-hmm so those three are the obvious three. I grew up watching Top Gear. That was, if I was going to have a bit of a fangirl moment, it's most likely around those three. But I've met Hammond and not immediately lost the ability to speak. Mm-hmm. So I think I'll be all right. I think I could yeah. I could hold on to that. Um, again, because of this not having the fear of talking to people. Um, so those, those three, obviously. Jay Leno was a good shout. Mm-hmm. Don't know if I could get on with his American... Like big American personality, I don't know how I'd manage with that. Yeah, because he's quite, he's quite a big, large. Yeah, but he. I think that would be one of those situations where it would be, it would probably be more like this. Yeah, because <laughs> he's he's, I he's he the interviewer guy. Yeah. He's what he did for his his entire career, wasn't it? So um, same with Seinfeld. I think he'd be a good chat, but I don't know yes. how well I do in that scenario because I'm not used to talking to big American personalities, and I can be quite reserved when I talk. Yeah, because I. I I always have a feeling that people with really big personalities are doing it to kind of hide from their own insecurity. Mm. And I feel like I'm relatively secure in how I am and who I am and what I look like and blah, 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 blah. So I kind of try and cut through all the bullshit around it. I don't know if that go over very well. Yeah, true. Because it almost you're effectively acting like a mirror. And if they're really big and you're really quite reserved... You're just highlighting how much of that they're hiding. Yeah, it's 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 very eye-opening when that happens. Yeah, but I think they'd be interesting to talk about cars with. Hmm. Um, it's funny you're saying about Seinfeld because did you? I saw yesterday, I think it was, or the day before. Didn't he mention? He um, mentioned Steph. She talks cars or dri- Steph, I drive classics. I, yeah, I drive classics. Steph. I mean, I haven't. I need to find that podcast and listen to it. It is wild that that's on his radar, though. Yeah, I mean that is so cool. And she yeah. did the, the thing. She didn't. Um, shout about it on Twitter and m- myself and uh, Helen Wakeley that we were talking about earlier uh, the entirety tweet, of Twitter yeah. basically hounded her saying why have you not shouted this from the rooftops because she's British she's British <laughs> she's British <laughs> yeah. but like I mean what would you like how would you feel if like 
if Jerry Seinfeld on a on a podcast mentioned your brand. I mean, you'd go, it would be amazing, wouldn't it? It would be amazing. The That's thing incredible. for me is, I'd immediately be like, I wonder if I'll get any sales from this. <laughs> when it doesn't <laughs> yeah. happen, be just immensely crushed. Um, but no, I, th- I think they're they're really obvious ones, and I don't sit and ponder this question very much to be like that would be an interesting person. Um, because with, really with you as well, there is there does there should it's not just a person from the automotive world, I suppose, is it? It's somebody who's who, who you know who've got an interesting story. Yeah, they'll have they'll have an interesting story. They'll they will talk about. They'll open up a bit as well. You don't want yeah. somebody who's completely closed off. I, I can imagine for me the person I would love to hear you talking to is Chris Harris. I I, I would love to sit and chat with Chris Harris, and I have put some feelers out to try and get to Chris Harris. He's such a hard person to get hold of. He's obviously mm. inundated with messages and requests and stuff. And if you ever want to try and speak with a person like of that level of kind of known, you can't just message them. You have to go through the back channels. It's the yes. only way. You have to find common friends and common people who can just chat to them. Yeah, especially and now. Now he's you know post he's huge, post yeah. top gear. He's yeah yeah yeah. So it's on my radar of people to try and get a chat with, and I have asked him directly but it was in the middle of a very busy event and we were off to the side with some friends that are mutual friends. And he was like, oh, let's try and make this happen and then it like got dragged back to his adoring fans to mm-hmm. sort stuff out. So it is in the realm of possibilities and it could very well happen. And I'm, I've had Edward Lovett on, who's his business partner, and I'm talking to another person that's connected to him about having them on. So I'm slowly building this kind of I'll tick all the people off all the different boxes of the things that influence other people so cool same with like the intercaller and Mr Frankel I'd like to chat with him and Dan Prosser and I had Joe Fidalgo on so there's my first connection to the intercaller so yeah I'm basically um trading card collecting with interesting (laughs) people from the automotive world that's good Um, need to get your uh your pal Tim on as well yep well I I think I'm seeing him very soon I'm gonna try and get uh, Mr. Burton, just give him another commit for me. The yeah. trouble is, Tim and I don't cross paths very often. So if I message him saying, "Oh, when you're free," by the third time of him going, "Not at the minute, not at the minute," it just seems like I'm pestering him because yeah. we don't have very much interaction outside of that because we're not crossing paths very much. Whereas with some people that I spend more time seeing at events and stuff like that, I can ask them that, but then our normal chats can still happen. Yes. Because they'll be like, oh, I'm here, I'm doing this. And I go, oh, that's cool, I'm here, I'll see you there, blah, blah, blah. So when I go, oh, when are you free to record? It's not the fourth time in a row that I've asked that question. Yeah, and it's... It's, 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 speci- yeah, it's especially trying hard to try and pin down the world's busiest man, yeah. which, which I think he is. It's really tough, and essentially all I need to do is find out when he's actually in the country and has an hour and a half just to say half well, apparently. Yes, very much so. Right, so I'm just going to... Shall we go to the tweets? Let's go to the tweets, and then I've got one more question to ask at the end. Okay. Which I've stolen from Sam Moores. Um, thanks, Sam. If <laughs> you're listening. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he has. Um, there's one here which feels like a bit of a leading question from Craig Abbott. Okay. Which was, please ask Lewis if he's ever had a moment where he said something out loud and instantly wished he could pull his words back. I think that- Craig is referring to the Smith & Sniff incident. Oh, the C word. Uh, yeah. The <laughs> flip side of that is it gets referenced quite a lot, so it probably did me a little bit of a favour. Yeah. So for those that don't know, don't... Oh, 
There we go, we're back. These bloody mics keep bloody... This USB-C to USB connector for my laptop keeps disconnecting them and reconnecting them, so if there's little jumps, I'm very sorry. <laughs> for those that don't know, Smith & Sniff recorded with me at Bista just before they did their live recording for on that live of things. So I'd spent probably two hours just chin-wagging, chatting, being really pally, um, just doing what I do with the podcast, shooting the breeze kind of thing. And then they recorded live. I'd completely forgot that they were actual professionals with a big audience. Sorry, that M5 that's just pulled in is the V10 one. Ooh, nice. That is very lovely. Yeah. The trouble with being caffeine a machine is that interesting cars just pop up. Yeah, unfortunately, we're sitting in an M. We've been sitting in an, an, M2, a, an M2 for an hour and twenty four minutes. Inch window, <laughs> and it really looks. I mean, this is like dogging central. It's like a steamed up car. Yeah, it, it looks very dodgy, but yes, we can just see through this little gap. There's a like a four inch gap in the mist on the yeah, window. A very nice E60 That's V10 M5. Anyway, you're saying. Um, yeah, so I, I'd completely forgotten that those two were professionals recording in front of an audience. So when they said. Has anyone ever had a note left on their windscreen? And I put my hand up because I have had a note left on my windscreen. It's very prevalent to what I am often doing. Um, I said, yes, me. Uh, someone left a note saying, don't undertake you C-word. But I didn't say C-word, I said the word. And then it immediately dawned on me that I'd just said that in front of 400 people on a live recording of their podcast. <laughs> and it was then reinforced by Richie going, well... I guess we've started the uh, profanity early today. <laughs> I just had to sit back down and really apologise to everybody. Um, and basically what happens is I sit in the inside lane on the motorway and people don't like it because they sit in lane three doing 65 and I cruise past them in the inside rather than aggressively changing lanes to pass them because I'm in lane one and there's no inside or outside lane technically. So if I'm doing 70 and you're doing 65, you're the problem. And someone took offence to it and left a note on the car and his services. Ah, yes. I didn't get to see who did it, otherwise I'd have probably shouted things back at them. Hmm. But now I have keep left unless they're overtaking on the car. Exactly, and that, that does it for you. That was after a, an incident of a guy um, sitting in the outside lane of the M45 for several miles. For no reason. With me pulling out, flashing at him to pull in, pulling back in, like several times. To the point where I just, I was like, you know what, stuff it. Just caught up and went past him on the left. And then he got really angry and tried to run me off the road. Nice. So now I've got a sticker so that when that happens again, I can just point at the sticker. But <laughs> this is what I'm talking about. Yes. I've, I've often thought of getting one of those LED things for the back window. Oh, like the police have that say, so like, move over and keep left yes. and stuff and just have it, you absolute prick, get out of lane four. Your fog light is on, you stupid Bellend! Oh, yeah. I'm just, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm projecting. Uh, yeah, that's the one. Perfect bright day, fog light on. Really? The inverse of that is when it's absolutely tipping it down and they don't have the lights on. Yes. Because their car automatically lights up and their little daytime running lights at the front come on. So they go, oh, everyone can see me and nothing behind them. Yeah, no lights on at all behind. Yeah, it's... Uh, anyway, back off this ramp. Cause... Right, so we'll, we'll carry on forever. <laughs> uh, we'll, do, we'll do some sort of quick fire ones. Uh, Rich Gooding, when will we see the Renault 5 again? Um, it is with Luke still, mm-hmm. um, which is not me being bitter because of their current situation. I understand why it has not returned to the road yet, but I did see him at Christmas mm-hmm. and he said it 
may be back by March. Oh, nice. So just in time for show season to start back up is the current goal. Marvellous. Um, but yeah, I'll explain why it's taken a little bit longer to you off the microphones because it's quite personal. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, uh, there's loads of questions from your own fiance. Yes, um, Dr. Which Grace. Is, yeah, which is useful. Uh, if you could interview anyone alive or dead, who would it be? Uh, <laughs> sounded like the way I think someone, she followed that said, up with alive. Preferably. Yeah, preferably alive. Yeah. Um, I've always said I'd like to chat with Stephen Fry, but I don't think it'd make a very good car podcast because he's not a car guy. No. Um, I'd like to get Gordon Murray on as well. Mm-hmm. I think that'd be fun. And I know that Johnny Smith recorded with him for his video series, so I might see if I can sweet talk Johnny into connecting me. Mm. But yeah. I think that'd be a really interesting one. I think Gordon's had such a varied and interesting career that that would make a really cool conversation. Yes. Yeah, I'd, oh, that would be, that's the dream. Probably also really intimidating because he's such a clever guy. Yeah. <laughs> got this idiot just going, I like cars. <laughs> I like the thing with the round wheels. <laughs> Those yeah. doors go up. Yeah. Um, okay, next one. Uh, again, this is from Grace. Uh, which do you like to drive more, the 86 or the Renault 5? Depends on the road. Mm-hmm. If it's a summer's day on a B road that is wide enough for passing slow-moving old people in Fiat Pandas the 86 almost any other circumstance apart from the motorway the Renault puts the biggest smile on my face awesome because it's ridiculous Uh, next one what is your favourite part of interviewing people Uh, learning stuff I don't know much about anyone so I was with William Haynes recently yep and it wasn't until he was showing me around the workshop and talking about oh yeah, when uh, when my grandfather was doing this and when granddad was doing that, I was like, wait, who's your granddad? He was like, basically the man behind Jaguar. Mm-hmm. So Sir William Lyons started Jaguar because SSC cars, it's not great having SSC in the name post-war, uh, SS obviously having those connotations, um, approached William Haynes' granddad, William Haynes, and said, will you be my chief engineer? We're starting a new car company. And that car company was Jaguar. Nice. So the current William Haynes that I know, uh, he predominantly restores E-types, specifically the earliest ones, and his granddad was the man that developed them. So he gets to relive all of the things that his granddad did. See, I didn't didn't know that. I didn't know it either. No. I mean, I've seen seen William and his stuff on Instagram via uh, Amy. His wife, yeah. Um, and yeah, I didn't know that. I mean, that must that lends a, a fairly decent amount of cred to the uh, yeah, <laughs> to well, the name, doesn't it? He, it's it was so interesting. Kind of go off tangent a bit because this was the podcast that came out yesterday. When he's kind of going through, he's like, "This car is number eight. So all the pre-production, all the very early production stuff. He'd be like, "This why I needed to go through to this bit, and originally it went round." So then they went, oh, we'll drill a hole, put a grommet through so that it can go through. But car number seven didn't have the hole in the grommet. Car number eight did. He's like, you wouldn't know that unless you knew you were looking at car number seven and car number eight. Yeah. So then car number six wouldn't have had it because seven didn't. So he's like, if it doesn't have that hole with the grommet, you know, it's pre this model. (laughs) And then the other part of it was where the, so it's a monocoque. The chassis with the VIN number stamped into it. It's this tiny little rectangle that's bolted onto the monocoque. It's, it's weird that that's the chassis. But anyway, so it's a monocoque setup. 
and there are little like channels pressed into it that hold the form and build the rigidity in the structure. Mm-hmm. And based on how deep that channel is, you know how old the car is, because you know how much the press would wear out by the end of the production run. Wow. So if it's really deep, say it's 5 mil or something, it's an early car. Mm-hmm. If it's really shallow, it's a late car. Or it's been re-skinned. Oh. It's, it's in, in, like the level of knowledge that he has on those cars is ridiculous. But more interesting than that is him getting to go through the processes that his granddad went through to make them and develop them. It was all kind of developed on the fly. It was, we'll try this and test it. Mm. We'll try this and test it. So you would get, say, 10 cars that all had this imperfection because they were, we tried it, we built 10 cars, we realised this was a problem, but those cars already had like, gone to people. Yeah, they're already out in the world. So there's only these cars that have that specific imperfection to them. And it's just him going back through his granddad's development process and reliving all of that history. And it's fascinating. And I said to him, like, I like cars, but my knowledge of stuff isn't that deep. So I get to go on these conversations and these journeys and learning about all of the car world as someone that doesn't actually know all that much because my... My lo- my lo- I don't come from a car family. My dad liked his cars, but he's not a nerd for cars. Mm. He just, whatever the fastest thing he could afford was, he'd just buy that and drive it. So I, I don't come from a family that would restore a classic or go to car events or do anything like that. My, my granddad's a builder. My dad was a builder and then a financial advisor somehow. So it's not like there's this lineage of here's how to build an engine, or here's how this works, or here's the history of this, or the history of that. So as an adult, I'm learning it all, but I get quite a privilege that I get to learn it from the people that are doing it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, you've, picking, you've picked some of the best people that you could chat to about it. Yeah, so, and yeah, I, it's great. I'm quite fortunate that this affords me that way to do that, because you can't really go up to people and go, can I sit down and just ask you questions about what you do for an hour? Most people are like, I'm a bit too busy, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm quite fortunate that the people like what this is about and this gives me the opportunity to have that chat. Yeah. So that's the best bit about doing this is I get to learn stuff. Awesome. Right, so I think as it's hour just, and a half. just an hour and a half, let's go with the last question uh, because I've got to go as well. Yeah. Um, which is dream three-car garage. Uh, we'll, we'll set a... I always, I never like these when they're unlimited because that's just silly. But what's right. your dream three-car garage under a hundred k? Under a hundred k. Hundred k for all three. Ooh. I think it'd have to be something very fast, something very fun, like interesting. And then, does it have to tick the boxes of like living with it, or can I? Well, I mean, it, you've you've got a three-car garage. It has to do everything. That those three cars mm. have to do everything that you. Because I can't go RS six because there's a hundred grand gone. Yeah, exactly. So I'd have to go with the Octavia VRS estate that you have. Yep. But the estate version in that like Viper green. Yep. Very good choice. That's what thirty grand. Um, oh, 30, 36, I think now. Okay. So you're a third, a third gone on that. Well, the flip side of that is you go for the um, superb four hundred PS or whatever it is, that is the most powerful car Skoda make but it looks like a Skoda Superb Estate. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah. And it's four-wheel drive. Anyway, VRS Estate, because that does all of the functional stuff that you need. 
Yeah. I can get dogs in it. I can get do tip runs in it, and I can also enjoy driving it down some back roads if I happen to be on some back roads doing a tip run. Mm-hmm. And at some point we'll have kids, so I guess they'll fit in there too. <laughs> and then, oh, I've got what sixty-five grand. Yep. How much is a caterum these days? Uh, I mean, for in, you'd probably budget thirty k for a for a decent one, something that's going to blow socks off and well, still work. I don't want a four hundred R. That's too much. Yeah, three ten. Three ten. Three ten R. Three ten R or an S is is my sweet spot. Right. For caterum. So we say thirty grand for one of them. Thirty thirty five. Yeah. Okay, because that that is your. This is the pinnacle of a driving experience. Isn't it? You can, mm. you get a very pure driving experience out of a car like that. Yep. It's something with open enough wheels that you can see where they are on the road and. Uh, yep. Rear wheel drive, so you can kind of learn dynamics from that as well. Could enter into a sprint or a race series if you wanted to. Like that kind of takes yep. quite a lot of boxes. Yeah, it doesn't cost a lot of money and take it on a track, track days. Yeah, the, the brake discs are only ten inches, so they're not a million pounds to replace and stuff yep. like that I think that would be car number two and car number three what can you get that's 35 grand that's going to be interesting GR86 <laughs> that's the trouble it is it's too damn good at that sort of price isn't it it is and I've, I've driven it I drove the 86 the Yaris and the Supra back to back to back and the 86 is the one I'd pick the trouble is, I've got my eighty-six, and it's not enough of a change for me to want to spend another twenty grand when I could spend five grand on a supercharger. Yeah, very true. Um, so I would say I'd keep my eighty-six. Mm-hmm. I'd engine swap it for a K twenty-four mm-hmm. with a supercharger on it. Nice. And then I've eliminated the biggest problem with my car, which is the engine could explode. Well, there you go. See, that is, you, you, that's it. That works. Job done. Which is kind of the direction we're heading anyway. Grace wants a VRS. Octavia next. Nice. So then I just need to find a Catrum. But I've already got the Renault, so. Yeah. Maybe I just clear RS, swap the Renault. Yeah. I mean, if you wait long enough, the, the, uh, the Renault 5 will have about as much holes as the body, in the bodywork as the, the Catrum's a, got. It'd be like a um, smart crossblade, or whatever it was called, where. <laughs> like the half windscreen yeah. and no door sides. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so hopefully that's been a bit more insight into me and to Kona, I suppose. Yeah, well, hopefully so. In fact, and as I was reading the uh, tweets from people, uh, someone's just said, someone messaged you saying, are you at the bowl? Uh, and we are, yes. Whoever, whoever you are, I don't know who it was. It was someone called Jack it, was, uh, on Instagram, I think, has asked you uh, <laughs> if you was were it? at the bowl. Oh. Yeah. Uh. I don't know if he's driven past and saw, because, of course, the Tacoma liveried car is outside the front of the bowl. We're hiding in a way. We in, are uh, hiding in the back. In dogging corner with a steamed up M2 currently. And they're the absolutely gorgeous... Um, E60 V10 M5, which is lowered and on a set of BBS. It's a very lovely bit of kit. Look, they look like a nice chunky set of BBS LMs. The man that has messaged oh. me is the guy who takes the photos for Caffeine Machine. It's that man right ah, there. Ah, yes. I think they're taking photos of this E60. And my GT86 is in the background. <laughs> so <laughs> I think he's messaged either... me to say, "Can you move your car yeah, in say, a polite it's, way?" Yes, it's either it's either in the background or. In the way, we're it's not in sure. The way, yes. Think. So they're taking some photos of this M5 with the caffeine machine behind it. Yes. So that's probably a good excuse for us to stop, so I can go move my car for them. Brilliant. Well, well thank you very much, Tim. Well, no worries. Thank you for letting me do this. I think uh, hopefully 
people will have found this interesting. Fingers crossed, eh? I think they will, Adam. Right, well, stop there then. <laughs>